Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I've Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. So this month, Annie, is APIHM or AAPIHM or Asian Pacific Islander Heritage Month. So we wanted to highlight a woman who has been working really hard in um, bringing justice and equality and restoration to her community. And so we are going to talk about Mia Mingus. I feel like there needs to be a clap for something. So Mingus is a writer, educator, and an expert community organizer for transformative justice, disability justice, and uh, transformative justice for fighting against child sexual abuse. And as it states in one article when they're talking about Mingus, she is a, quote, queer, physically disabled Korean woman, transracial and transnational adoptee, born in Korea, raised in the Caribbean, nurtured in the U.S. South, and now living in North California. And to say she is a fighter is an understatement. She is a fierce advocate whose passion and overall expertise has been a guide for many, including for colleges, universities, and communities worldwide. Her career achievements have included working in transformative justice, including in prison abolition and disability justice. She has been a key advocate in fighting for transformative justice in response to child sexual abuse as well, and is part of the Bay Area Transformative Justice Collective, which is a community group in Oakland, California. Right, so transformative justice is something she continues to talk about in implementing and teaching around the country. As it is written in her blog, uh, she is, quote, passionate about building skills, relationships, and structures that transforms violence, harm, and abuse within our communities and that do not rely on or replicate the punitive system we currently live in. So Mingus defines transformative justice as a, quote, political framework and approach for responding to violence, harm, and abuse. At its most basic, it seeks to respond to violence without creating more violence and or engaging in harm reduction to lessen the violence. And she continues on. Um, Transformative justice responses and interventions, one, do not rely on the state, e.g. police, prisons, the criminal legal system, ICE, foster care system, though some TJ responses do rely on or incorporate social services like counseling. Two, do not reinforce or perpetuate violence such as oppressive norms or vigilantism. And most importantly, three, actively cultivate the things we know prevent violence, such as healing, accountability, resilience, and safety for all involved. Within her work in transformative justice, she also pushed the framework of disability justice. She defines disability justice as, quote, an emerging political framework rooted in the lived experiences of disabled people who have been largely excluded, silenced, and ignored by the mainstream disability rights movement. Led by disabled people of color, specifically disabled queer women, trans and gender nonconforming people, disability justice demands a sharp and deep analysis of ableism. So in her explanation of the framework for disability justice, she states, quote, we need to think of access with an understanding of disability justice, moving away from an equality-based model of sameness, and we are just like you to a model of disability that embraces differences, confronts privilege, and challenges what is considered, quote, norm on every front. We don't want to simply join the ranks of the privileged. We want to dismantle those ranks and system that maintains them. And because there's no way we could explain what she is doing and how she continues to affect change better than her own words, uh, we're going to keep on. She states, disability justice activists are engaged in building an understanding of disability that is more complex, whole, and interconnected than what we have previously found. We are disabled people who are people of color, women, gender queer and transgender, poor and working class, youth, immigrants, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and queer, and more. 
We are pushing for an understanding of how ableism affects all of our movements for justice. We are drawing connections between ableism and other systems of oppression and violent institutions. We are pushing for a more nuanced and fierce interrogation of the medical-industrial complex and understandings of health, wellness, and healing that aren't rooted in ableist notions of bodies and what is considered normal. Within her conversation of disability justice, she also speaks to her own privilege, stating in a 2013 interview, it is important to acknowledge the complexities of privilege and oppression and how they play out in our worlds. For me, it is especially important around disability in this particular historical and political moment. Historically speaking, we are still so close to the majority of our history where most disabled people were locked up, institutionalized, homeless, hidden away in the back rooms of their family homes, not allowed to access education or have a job, and generally not allowed to participate in the public sphere at large. And this is still so true for so many people. So for me to be able to do the kind of work that I do, to be able to travel, be listened to, be able to work a 16-hour day, it is so much about having the kind of disability and body that is, quote, able enough to squeeze itself into those privileged spaces. And she has also coined terms like access intimacy, which she states is that elusive, hard-to-describe feeling when someone else gets your access needs, and that sometimes it can happen with complete strangers, disabled or not, or sometimes it can be built over years. And she continues, it's also the intimacy I feel with many other disabled and sick people who have an automatic understanding to access needs out of shared similar lived experiences of the many different ways ableism manifests in our lives. Together, we share a kind of access intimacy that is ground level with no need for explanations. And she also coined terms and concepts such as politically and descriptively disabled, which she says, quote, when I say descriptively disabled, I mean someone who has lived the experience of being disabled. And about politically disabled, she explains, when I say politically disabled, I mean someone who is descriptively disabled and has a political understanding about that lived experience. I mean someone who has an analysis about ableism, power, privilege, who feels connected to and is in solidarity with other disabled people, regardless of whatever language you use. And she also coined the term forced intimacy on top of that. And specific to forced intimacy, Mingus describes it as, quote, a term I have been using for years to refer to the common daily experience of disabled people being expected to share personal parts of ourselves to survive in an ableist world. This often takes the form of being expected to share very personal information with able-bodied people to get basic access. But it also includes forced physical intimacy, especially for those of us who need physical help that often requires touching of our bodies. And she continues on to say, forced intimacy is a cornerstone of how ableism functions in an able-bodied supremacist world. Disabled people are expected to, quote, strip down and show all our cards, metaphorically in order to get the basic access we need in order to survive. And there's so many other things that she talks about. And of course, this is just a small example of her incredible work and continued advocacy for disability justice and transformative justice practices uh, in cases of sexual abuse, prison abolition, and so many other things. And she has many TED Talks. She has many interviews. She is a wealth of knowledge that is so very much needed. She has put up all of that work for those of us who have that privilege of not understanding, can do the work ourselves just by reading her stuff. So first and foremost, thank you. Yes. Thank you, Mia. But again, she's been awarded many accolades for her hard work, including the Create Change Award from the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force, 40 Under 40, the API's Women's Champion of Change from President Barack Obama, the 100 Women We Love. And I mean, we would put that in our category too, maybe. <laughs> 
We don't, uh, do we have a full hundred women that we've talked about? No, not yet. Not yet, but we But will. she's definitely up there. <laughs> and the recipient of the Disability Features Fellowship for her continued work. So she is definitely someone that you should have on your list as a resource. And uh, when we talk about intersectionality, she would be one of those that would be the forefront and definition of her advocacy work being about intersectionality. So it's really important. So you can check out her blog at leavingevidence.wordpress.com. And she's also on Instagram and Twitter. So we would highly recommend that you follow her. Absolutely. And if you would like to hit us up, you can. Our email is stephaniamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuff I've never told you. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I've Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. <laughs> 